1: what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. There is nobody I know who is more deserving of sitting in that room with that company yeah. and making music than you, my friend. This is such great news. I cannot wait to hear that. Um, and I will teach Tim who the MC5 are between this <laughs> coming conversation and the next one, so that he can yeah, uh, that he can sucks. do more than just smile politely. But yeah. that is yeah. such great news. No, no, no. I, I I
2: I three of those names I recognize. I think that's pretty good for me. That was pretty good. Pretty <laughs> All good. right. Fifty years of music with fifty-year-old white guys. fellas how are you here uh, we are on the 50 years of music the 50 Real white guys podcast exploring the southwest with brad brooks artist extraordinaire jeff simons do the do the honors
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome brad brooks to the podcast he is a long time running buddy of mine in the san francisco bay area um he wears a lot of different musical hats but the one we're showcasing today uh is a series of remarkable solo albums stretching yeah. back to for me i think 2007 is the first time brad and i played together that I became aware yeah. of him but um he's been making just fantastic music for a long time his most recent record is god Save the city which is a uh, um well it's a lot of different things it's a but it's a great record that's probably unified around the idea of holding it together through crisis through uh the trifecta pandemic facing america with uh racial unrest and and covid and brad's own journey uh through that time to health and success so if you have not listened yet to brad brooks's god save the city then you have not heard one of the best records put out yeah. in the last five or six years oh, so let's get good. on that it's good great listeners and please welcome brad to the program Woo-hoo! our resident expert on uh cacti and tumbleweeds so here we <laughs> go
0: <laughs> no thank you guys for having me really uh really uh looking forward to talking about you know my tucson roots which uh, as i said is are still you know i still have some strong roots there and go back my mom lives there but uh it's still right. a very vibrant music scene probably even more after you know uh, i was there not too long ago maybe around thanksgiving and i was just really kind of blown away how much is going on all over that that sort of downtown club congress area i was I was amazed. It's uh, very much like Austin, Texas. You know, there's a oh, lot. Wow. Going on. Yeah.
2: So but it wasn't like that when you were a teenager or or did it have a pretty good music scene back then?
0: No, it did. It's always been kind of Austin's little stepbrother, you know, in a way. OK, um, but very similar vibe of like there's a country uh, country kind of thing uh, to it, but also like a very freaky uh, DIY do it yourself um, house party um, kind of thing to it and uh, there's always been very creative people and music um, coming out of there because it was an inexpensive place to live and sure there was the university of arizona which is still there and um, it's it still has a cool vibe you know that's awesome now so you grew up there did you learn to play guitar there were you di yeah, you know, as well uh, I started kind of the early 80s. Um, I didn't play guitar or piano. I was just the lead singer uh, writing lyrics to other people's music. Okay. And, um, and then eventually kind of learned to do that um, more when I uh, moved in the Bay Area. But I was, uh, you know, I kind of started in the scene there in the early 80s and and um, uh, really cut my teeth on on all that um, was going on there. And then I moved to the Bay Area in 1990, so I can't really speak too much um, past that other than just the touchstones that I have. I've been going back the friends that I still have.
2: Well, if we want to go back to the early 80s, because most of our listeners are of that vintage, uh, what were some of the clubs? Do you remember some of the venues that you would go and see shows at in Tucson?
0: Yeah, there was a a place called Nino's, which was um, uh, kind of the place that – uh, we probably played the most there was club congress which is still around still yeah. has great shows um and uh there was a um place later on in the late 80s called mud bugs it was okay. like in all these places there was the tucson performance center um uh there was kind of it's weird tucson was kind of split between like east side of tucson which is more heavy metal and hard rock and then uh-huh. you have the um The west side of Tucson, which was more the arty side, more of the, um, you know, um, just kind of coming up with its own stuff. You know, there were bands like Green on Red that came out of there. There was um, uh, Hal Gelb, uh, Giant Sand. That's kind of where he started. Al Perry, The Cattle. Um, There was a guy named Reiner who was probably the best. Um, He was more of a Roots kind of style, but just um uh his stuff is really amazing to still check out he was a great guitar player um what was the name what was his name uh reiner r-a-i-n-e-r okay um, uh, unfortunately he died of cancer in the 90s but he was really one of the best and he had a mixture of being able to kind of do this sort of punky style mixed with like uh dave edmund's kind of ability all right Kind of that good. He re- That's and, a mix right there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Hal Gelb, Giant Sand. There was uh, Van Christian with Naked Prey. Um, then then later than that, there was the Sidewinders, who were, came out uh, probably one of the bigger bands. Um, uh, there was Gila Band. Oh, the Sidewinders were, became the Sand Rubies because they had to change their name uh, at one point. But they, were, they had a really great record called Witch Doctor that came out in the 80s. Then there was giant uh Gila Bend. There was a band called Gentlemen After Dark, which uh, actually ended up moving to Phoenix later into LA, who were really big during that time. And um, but yeah, there were some great shows. I was and then later on there was my band Pollo Elastico, who um kind of was in the punk funk and kind of helped kind of be a part of that scene in Tucson. And uh I'm you know, sorry, that- and that was Pollo Elastico, Pollo Elastico, the red I- chicken.
2: I mean you've got the best band name ever right there. That's that's a great name.
1: Well, yeah, you strike you strike gold in the first one and you're chasing <laughs> it for the rest of your life. Yeah,
0: right, right. Well, but believe me, I was in about four other bands before that. That was the only one that like seemed to like uh you know hit with people. So uh, That's really cool. Well what how old were you when you when you left? Uh God, I left when I was probably twenty eight, twenty nine, something. Oh, okay. Like.
2: Go good long time in the Southwest. And how yeah. so do you think at this point it's still informing your art or or where do you see it come up in your in your yeah. music, in your lyrics?
0: Yeah, it does. Well, and in, in, in my um a really good example is in my last record, I I wrote a song called Lee Marvin's Uzi, which yes. is a totally weird song, but it's a true story. When I was living in Tucson, I was delivering bottled water from my. That was my day job. I worked for Arrowhead Water, and the first time I went to uh, 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 on my route, I went to Lee Marvin's house, and he uh, and he was um, and as I'm walking up to it's like seven seven thirty in the morning. As I'm walking up to his house, I look to my left, and there's an Uzi sitting <laughs> on the on the wall. Oh my and i've never seen one in my life and I looked at it and I was like wow that's different and so I knocked on the door because it was the first time i was there and and he came out and uh and I got to he- spend like 10 minutes just talking to him a little bit about movies and we talked about music some because he'd sang and and finally I'm like yeah hey, what's the what's the oozy for <laughs> <laughs> what's the deal it with was the really, Uzi? Uh, it was it was really right between us it was just kind of like talking to me uh, <laughs> um, and he said well that's for the primetime time rapist and, and at the time there was this guy that was terrorizing tucson called the prime time rapist and he was uh-huh. like and so i was like man i don't think he's coming here <laughs> yeah nah <laughs> but but so so i kind of had to i ended up writing a song uh that was uh about that experience and and i feel like it it really seeped in my music when i started up There's always a country kind of uh, uh, tinge to a lot of uh, some of the bands back then. And I really rebelled against that when I was kind of there. I was more of a rock rocker dude um, and more into like kind of, I guess, more synthesized kind of stuff as well at the time. But it was really always around. And it wasn't until I started writing my own songs that it started coming back in, you know, and it's weird I had this same conversation with I have a friend of mine Eddie Spaghetti who's in the Super Suckers and and uh, uh he came from the same scene and so we were talking about it years and years ago about how this country thing has come had come back into our lives and how we'd always rebelled against it. And so for him it came up because he later on he ends up like doing a record and riding with Willie Nelson but it was really this guy Al Perry and the Cattle and Van Christian and and Uh, green on red uh dan stewart those guys that music kind of seeped into our our sort of subconscious and then it would come out in the writing later and so i've always had this sort of country thing to my to my writing that um that just came out and it's all from tucson really
2: well it's it's funny you say it because i'm listening to god save the city these last few days and, and checking out your music it's I found it hard to categorize at times. Like there's something coming out uh, at different times from different categories. Um, and, and and I do, I do get the rocking thread, uh, but there there's still but this, there's, uh, a,
1: there's a deep soulful thread in there yeah. too. And there's like, I mean, you say rock, right? I mean, there's, there are, there's a classic, um, there's a classic rock vibe. That's like Beatles, bad finger, Elvis Costello, like, big melodies right but then he's got this really kind of great kind of harder funky thing that happens but now it's really evolved into kind of a classic soul thing and that leave marvin uzi track like you can feel (laughs) the dust in the i mean like i played that with brad and and i have that like i have that in the background (laughs) when i'm playing like it's It's meant, it's
0: music for big vistas, you know?
1: So it doesn't surprise me to hear Brad talk about that.
0: Yeah, it's very, you know, it's very cinematic, you know, there's, and, and I, I will say that a band like, um, Hal Gelb and Giant Sand and all his versions and also Calexico, like they distilled that vibe, you know, uh, that, you know, Morricone, um, kind of thing. And there's, there's, um, and that's still out there. There's a really great band called SIXA, X I X A that has even taken it further, and they um, they have they're doing this kind of psychedelic cumbia music, okay. and it and it's really fucking cool. And it's, <laughs> and it's 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 heavy in parts, but it's very uh, danceable. It's got like this southwestern vibe to it, and they are just badass. And uh, Winston Watson cool. who uh, who I've known on and off for years um, has placed drums in that band. And uh, it's really cool stuff. They, there's are some of my favorite newer records out of there and they just have an interesting take. Um, it's two guys, Brian Lopez and Gabriel Sullivan, and they're both super talented singers, songwriters on their own, but they come together with this band and, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 that uh, sounds really cool. Yeah, it's really, uh, they've, they've, they've kind of, um, I think uh, extended what Calexico kind of did, you know, okay. into a different, different thing. So. Is it still,
2: um, you, you mentioned going back down there to visit your mom and, and seeing the downtown area and all the music venues. Is it still a good place for artists? You still can get a cheap apartment in Tucson? Uh,
0: I think so. It's probably, you know, raised up. Um, maybe not like where Austin is now, or it's just kind of moved right. towards, for the Bay areas. But yeah, I yeah. think it's expensive out there. And yeah, there's a vibrant music scene. People were able to make a living out there doing music. And like I said, my, there's my friend, Lauren Dirks and he bend and he plays out a lot. And, uh, the sidewinders, which was, uh, and sand San rubies. Um, uh, those guys will do their thing out there every now and then. And, um, I feel like that, um, that, yeah, people are able to, uh, to be able to make a living doing music out there. And that's great. Awesome. And I think that um, because it's always been a college town and and it's always been a place that kind of makes its own fun, you know, whether it's a house party or right. or that, that still goes on. And, and in fact, um, uh, I want to give a little shout out to a friend of mine. Um, a, f- a friend of mine, Chris Carlone, is working on a documentary called Tale of Two Houses, huh. and it's about um, the music scene. The house party diy music scene in tucson from 83 to 89 and basically wow. there was two houses on one of the main streets by the university and p- their bands would play there all the time and so there's a lot of archival video footage and he's put together a documentary um, about it it's called yeah that's oh, that sounds great this. it's basically about what we're talking about that time you know in in the southwest uh, kind of house party music scene
1: nice it's amazing cool. when somebody decides to make a documentary about a thing you that was so important to you isn't it <laughs> like it's the greatest feeling it like validates the space you keep in your brain for this like seminal experience in your life you know
0: well, for sure. And Chris is very, super talented cat. He played with me in Pollo, Alaska, but has gone on to do like film editing. And, and, uh, and also he has this crazy thing called Borts Minortz, which is this character that he came up with. And, um, <laughs> uh, but he does a lot of video stuff. He's, he's, he's done a couple of videos of mine. He did night fades and he did God save the city. But, um, but yeah, he's been on project for about a year and, and sort of acquiring all the, um, you know, all the footage and putting together in a story, but it's supposed to come out at some point. And then also another one, there's another friend of mine, uh, put together a documentary called high and dry. His name is Michael Tabasi. And, uh, he talks more about, um, even more in depth about this whole time frame as well. Cool.
2: Cool. My buddy, Joe, uh, went to U of A from what? 88 through 93. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I remember visiting him and we saw some bands uh, during that time. Yeah. Well, let me uh, let me ask you this question. What is this is this is a uh, this is you bringing it home since I told you we'd only grab 20 minutes of your time. Um, what is your favorite musical memory you associate with with Tucson or with the Southwest, you know, and, and whether that's as an artist or as a young fan of music or it could be a childhood memory with your family, what what kind of sticks with you musically in your in your heart?
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I, I can't put one together, but just uh, there was a time, you know, maybe uh, maybe around that time when you came out in 88, 88 that, that's kind of for for me, like I had was cutting my teeth in these different bands and with relative degrees of success. But really, when I was in Pollo Elastico, There was a vibe there people were getting back into like funk and soul and 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 that kind of thing and but also we're into heavy rock and so when i was in that band there was a lot of um that was probably a really great time uh of me sort of becoming the singer that i would become and also kind of distilling a lot of things that um that i had kind of uh grown with you know right so uh, there was this definite kind of scene during that time, you know, of people going out like really like, like, you know, we would play warehouse parties for like 300 people and, and, and it was just wild, you know, in fact, some of, <laughs> some of it's online. There's a show at a, uh, at a warehouse and um, it is just insane. Like there's just stage diving going on the whole time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, you know, dodging people. And, and <laughs> at some point we have to stop the show because there's a bunch of jocks who are being assholes and we had to call them out. And, and, but yeah, that, pro- that probably show in that time was really fun. And there was a lot of buzz about the band at the time. And of course, like most things it you know, it didn't quite happen, but uh, that's a really good, good memory I have of that warehouse show just being like so much fun. And uh, uh, a friend, a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine, a guy, uh, um, a guy named Craig Schumacher, it was the first band that he recorded because we did it. in oh. actually, uh, a guy named Randy, Rickman, Randy McReynolds, it was his studio. I think it was called 8x8 or something like that. And and Craig was engineering his first time recording a band, a live band. And so he recorded the whole show. And then he goes on to make all those Calexico records and do all nice. kinds of production stuff. So. Um, yeah, that's that that's probably, really
2: cool. Well, I, I also love you bringing that music to those 300 or so fans and coming back for more, you know, because probably probably they hadn't heard it. You know, they they hadn't uh, they hadn't they hadn't gotten into the uh, the history of music like you had at that moment. And there you are opening it up to them, except for the jocks. Apparently, you didn't reach them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, there was nothing, you know, it was kind of you never reach after. the jocks. Yeah, they never do. Yeah. You know, I mean what... it, kind of, it was kind of going on, you know, it was like it was when people were kind of into fishbone and and, yeah. and and uh red hot chili peppers and but we had our Arizona version of it. There was definitely something unique about the band because we had grown up desert rats, you know.
2: Yeah
0: uh, and uh you know, just the guitar, the guitar sound. There's there's a Tucson is a guitar town, you know, and, yeah. and like Austin is, you know, it's got a twang, but it's also got like a psychedelic twang to it, you know, so.
2: All right. Well, I have got to go teach the youth of America how to Charleston, Charleston? and how to waltz. You have Charleston. such a
1: weird job, dude. You have such <laughs> well, a weird I, job. I don't even know what to say <laughs> to that last sentence.
0: That's that's amazing. You know, I, I have one more sort of yeah uh, a plug to add um i i am right now in the middle of getting mixes for this mc5 record so yeah uh, talk so about that is, my uh, friend this is gonna this is a record that i've made with wayne kramer and uh with bob ezrin producing and uh we are hoping that it comes out probably in the early part of the summer Um, it's going to be on ear music but um, i'm starting cool. to hear mixes for this bob ezrin is fucking genius uh, of course and. But it's got some heavy players. It's got Abe Laboreal on drums, who's Paul McCartney's drummer. Don Wise wow. playing bass. Wow. There's, this, there's a song with um, um, Dennis Thompson, who's the original drummer in, in the MC5. Vernon Reed is playing a solo on this. So All it's right. This crazy, it's this crazy uh, thing. And, and maybe some point when it comes out, we can talk more about that. I would but, love it. There is but, nobody um, I
1: know who is more deserving of sitting yeah. in that room with that company yeah. and making music than you, my friend. This is yeah. such great news! I cannot wait to hear that. Um, and I will teach Tim who the MC5 are between this <laughs> com- conversation and the next one, so that he can yeah, uh, man, he can sucks. do more than just smile politely. But yeah. that is yeah. such great yeah. news. I I
2: I three of those names I recognize. I think that's pretty good for me. That was pretty good. <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys later, guys.
0: Brad, thanks so much. Nice meeting you online. Later, friends. Talk to you soon. See you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. -bye. bye. 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 Hey there, I'm DC. I host The Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interview. Interviews. Electric acid. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time.